Welcome to MRS Bulletin's Materials News Podcast, providing breakthrough news and interviews with researchers on hot topics in materials research. My name is Laura Lay. 3D printing of ceramics is a hot topic right now. Also known as additive manufacturing, 3D printing allows for increasingly smaller or complex structures to be created as techniques improve. New research into the 3D printing of silica glass could pave the way for future advances in the printing of ceramics. Methods for 3D printing of such structures involve high temperatures, produced by using either a laser or a furnace to obtain temperatures of around 1000 degrees Celsius, often at high pressure. The latest research has shown that such high temperatures are not required. Printing of silica glass is possible at around just 200 degrees Celsius if you introduce photochemistry. We're using this kind of chemistry that actually exists for a while. People know that things probably back to maybe uh, 90s, uh, 1990s or early 2000. Just uh, it's an interesting approach. So basically, uh, you can convert polymer, a special polymer, yeah, elastomer, into a ceramic. And people have done a little bit of work on that, it's, but not really on the street printing. So we kind of for Utilize that approach, uh, combine that with 3D printing, we can generate parts with complicated uh, shapes. That was Professor Jerry Chi from the Georgia Institute of Technology. After using two photon polymerization to cross link polydimethyl siloxane, his team then used deep UV to convert the polymer into silica glass. The deep UV irradiation is carried out in an oxygen rich atmosphere. The UV light converts the oxygen to ozone, which then goes on to react with the polymer, prompting the formation of silica glass. Structures of several tens of micrometers in size can be fabricated with a resolution of a few hundred nanometers. Using deep UV light, the process of converting the polymer to glass and removing the excess carbon takes around five hours, much shorter than the 20 to 50 hours required for traditional techniques. The property change is also dramatic because when we print the sample, the stiffness of the sample is like your skin, very, very soft. Uh, the modulus is about 100 kilopascal. Um, but when we shine the light for about three or four hours, and the modulus becomes like a bone. And, uh, so it's, the modulus goes about uh, 30 uh, gigapascal. So you can see the modulus change almost uh, five orders of magnitude. So it's a really dramatic change, yet we can also maintain the shape. So it's kind of an uh, amazing uh, process. Several structures were printed, including lattices, the Georgia Tech Buzz mascot, and a smooth miniature lens with a diameter of 150 micrometers. The role that the ozone plays is intriguing. Dr. Minjo Lee, who is a postdoc at Georgia Institute of Technology, explains that several factors have to be taken into account when using the deep UV or DOE photochemical reaction. We, we want to fully convert these uh, 3D structures. We need to facilitate this process. So we want to find out the optimal condition for this uh, DOE conversion process. And we have done a lot of parameter study, the flow rate of the oxygen, and also the environment, the, the experimental setup, uh, like the distance between the DOE light and also the sample, so that we, we find out this optimal condition for the for this conversion. If without the proper design, structure design, basically you will, you will get, uh, after the DOE uh, conversion, you will generate some like uh, cracked samples because of the shrinkage. So we have to carefully design this 
uh, structure on the uh, that, that to be printed on the substrate. The micro lens could have uses in optical devices, and the team also produced a structure with a hollow microfluidic channel with a diameter of 30 micrometers. Such tiny silica-based structures of applications in medical devices, optoelectronics, semiconductors, and more. To realize the full potential of this new fabrication technique, the team will continue to refine it and determine the exact role that the ozone plays. The structures they have made so far have a density below that of conventionally made glass components and a low modulus, properties that are not favourable for applications that involve load carrying. The current achievements represent a significant learning curve that the team will build on. It took us about uh, two years almost. One big challenge is how you can actually return the structure uh, without damage on the structure so initially, when we started, we print the thin film, we just shine the lights, and then you see um, promising results, but you see lots of small pieces of glasses on the floor. And then we uh, gradually learn more, and then we know you need the substrate to uh, support, and then you can uh, return the structure. All the experiments are quite challenging because the, the samples are so small. I think the most exciting part is the low temperature we achieve, uh, which is only 200 degrees Celsius, which is far below the conventional method, usually about 1,000 degrees C. The low temperature is particularly beneficial for in-situ printing of microelectronics, where semiconductors cannot withstand the higher temperature of conventional methods. The team is working on printing larger structures and will use light with a higher intensity than the one they're currently using as a first step to refine their new fabrication process. This work was published in a recent issue of Science Advances. My name is Laura Lay from the Materials Research Society. For more news, log on to the MRS Bulletin website at mrsbulletin.org. Follow us on Twitter at mrsbulletin. Don't miss the next episode of MRS Bulletin Materials News. Subscribe now. Thank you for listening.